Hey everybody, welcome back to Rediscovering Yourself Through Chronic Illness. Um, (laughs) I hemmed and hawed about uh, how I would approach the nature of this particular episode for a while and just ultimately decided that before I go on to other stuff, I just wanted to uh, address this one because as I said in the previous, uh, the material to be covered in this one is extremely personal for me for a lot of reasons. Um, so without any delay, basically what this episode will cover has to do with the increasing development of POTS cases that are being seen as a result of the pandemic. Some of which, and I say some of which, come as a result of uh, vaccine side effect, but the vast vast majority of um, POTS cases being seen in the last three years have been um, in direct response to infection. So this is something that I've held close. This is something that has put me diametrically opposite to even a few people in my immediate life because of uh, the just nature and level of the hotbed issue this has become in the last three years, the level of vitriol that has been um, expressed, and um, a few other words that can be described, flippant, ambivalent, just you name it. So, (laughs) oh, it's going to be hard to find the words, but I will definitely do my best to try. And the other area I was going to discuss were the, um, as I've already made known, as someone of Ashkenazi Jewish uh, descent, and the risk factor for familial dysautonomia when you're Ashkenazi Jew um, for developing familial dysautonomia, which can be found, has been found to be a possible root cause uh, for POTS. Um, Another area I was going to hit on, and again, this is hard for me to hit on because I have known people that have engaged in this, (laughs) but the area, the other area I was going to hit on were the Holocaust COVID compares. (laughs) Oh boy. So first things first, um, at the beginning of my odyssey with POTS, as I've said, like a lot of people with um, this condition, you hope for awareness. And data, information, resources were kind of few and far between. Because as I said in my last one, POTS is often initially misdiagnosed as chronic fatigue syndrome. It's like you can't get more vague than that. So in 2017, I, the vast majority and moving forward until about, I would say, uh, two years ago, so from about 2017 until mid, late 2020 into 2021, I was getting the vast majority of my resources to understand my condition from the Europeans. Well, as we trudged through the pandemic, um, when I went and had my autonomic testing in February of 2021, um, my doctor who runs the autonomic clinic at Stanford we were talking about it and 
Stanford, Stanford knew two years ago that they were gonna see an increase in POTS cases because of COVID, they just knew it. And they were aware of the societal attitude towards the virus and the ranging mentalities that a lot of people have. And my doctor just kind of matter of factly shook his head when we talked about the, the fact that uh, COVID was gonna likely, likely make POTS a more well-known name. My doctor was just like, you know, I really wish more people would take this seriously. <laughs> So with that being said, um, I, have, I have taken the habit since being diagnosed of hopping onto Google, checking resources, checking medical journals, you know, using the research uh, skills I've fostered and um, going to reputable uh, sources. You know, I know that the places like the World Health Organization and the National Institute of Health are not popular in um, certain factions of the general public, but I'm sorry, I will trust them more than uh, an elected official any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, so that's where I get my information too, as well as with um, Dysautonomy International, other POTS people and so forth. Well, slowly but surely there started being articles that were coming up about um, just different ones, but continued and increasing about alluding to the developing uh, correlation being seen between um, suspected POTS post-COVID, determined POTS post-COVID, um, is long COVID POTS, that kind of thing. At first, um, I was like, oh, okay, cool, more awareness. But as time went on, and again, this is hard for me to say because what I'm about to say puts me in diametric opposition to a lot of people that I know. <laughs> but as I've, as I've put it to them, this pandemic hasn't just manifested any other condition, it's manifested mine. So I will say this until I'm blue in the face, and this is something that I'm very unapologetically passionate about. I will protect anyone with this condition pre-pandemic or post-pandemic. It does not matter. Does not matter. I don't have what I have because of COVID, but I've got it. And people are getting it because of COVID. Some because of the vaccine, most because of the virus. So I will sooner put my arm around somebody with what I have, whether they've had it before the pandemic or post, I'll put an arm around them, whether I know them or not compared to some of the um, societal mentalities of uh, doesn't impact us, we can't be bothered kind of thing. So yeah, it's hard for me to not take it personally as someone who has experienced not one, but two falls that were um, precarious at best. The last fall I had from POTS, as I've said before, syncope is not common with POTS, but it can happen. The last fall I had from POTS was three and a half years ago, just before the start of the pandemic. Luckily, my friend who was with me um, knew what I had. And when she found me in her bathroom, she shook me for a few minutes. And she said that I did not have any um, uh, muscle response. I was basically a noodle. Um, she told me later she thought I was dead. And to have somebody tell you that they thought you were dead, that sticks with you. So, as I just said, this was January 2020 when this happened. So that is why in the 
um, months and two, three years since seeing POTS connect itself to COVID like it has and some of the complete asinine mentality that some people have expressed, that's where I get angry. And I would like to have um, hope that the pandemic would have created some potential for better awareness and um, diagnosis for this and treatment. Would I have more hope and faith if it hadn't have been for some of the mentality of some of the general public? Yeah, and that includes our elected officials, but that's and it's but it also includes the average individual too. You know, I remember listening to the speech from Queen Elizabeth, and I just remember pondering the fact that her speech was indicative of someone who came from an era that some people, it seems like now, have completely lost. You know, the idea that actions impact others. You know, getting out to the end of your nose and remembering that um, we're all human. Roll up your sleeves, stand there with your fellow man. You know, isolationism is easy. Complacency is easy. The harder part, it seems like, is, re is really just coming down to the fact that uh, actions impact others and there is a world past the end of all of our individual noses. That's what I've tried to do with, um, with my advocacy. You know, I mean, actions impacting others is not socially popular and it hasn't been. Leave it to a pandemic to hit in the middle of a, in the middle of a U.S. election. Talk about the perfect storm of insanity. But um, oh, to get back off of that tangent, see, I said this episode was going to be painful. Um, I just, at the start of it, when things really got crazy in 2020, I, um, like a lot of people, was a little, it was apprehensive. What got me, what was my call to action, was the sheer level of POTS cases being seen post-COVID. That's what I remembered. That's when I remembered what my mom taught my brother and I, get to the end of your nose. Seeing POTS post-COVID, and I can't stress enough, some have been post-vaccine, majority have been post-infection. That's when I remembered what I was taught by my mother and I rolled up my sleeves and I was like, all right, what can I do? Because I've told this to other people that I've known. I've seen small kids dealing with forms of what I have. Small kids, the same age, these kids quite often are the same age of um, some of my friends that have kids. I wouldn't wish this on anybody, let alone a kid. You know, I hate dealing with what I deal with, but I'd sooner deal with it as being 38, almost 39, than seeing a 12-year-old deal with it. That's the part that's upsetting to me because for some reason or another, this viral contagion is manifesting the condition that I have in ways that I would sooner shoot myself or hang myself from a door jam than have to deal with. So that's also why I felt emboldened to do this and to reach out and advocate and put an arm around people in the autonomic dysfunction community and the chronic illness community because I know a lot of people, I've come into contact with a lot of people with POTS that have looked at people's attitudes toward COVID and are like, please don't make our stuff political too. You know, please. So... You know, I have a small list of three things that I will unapologetically be seen as a jerk about 
making sure that a condition I know all too well doesn't be become political like COVID has is absolutely number one. And yeah, if it puts me diametrically opposite to someone I know and protects somebody I don't, but this person has what I have, I've made peace with that. I've made peace with that because, um, again, that's just how I was raised. It goes back to when I was in high school and I spent time on our school site council because we had a school district that had a total blatant love affair with our rival high school and they had no problem kicking the school I attended down the drain. You know, 16, not a lot of 16 or 7 year old kids get on committees and learn terms like categorical funding and all of that, but I did it. It's because again, going back to my mom and thank God I was raised by a mother who instilled in this instilled this mentality. Get to the end of your nose and remember there's a world and actions impact others. So the way I was in high school with that, I've tried to make it that way here. So I've met a lot of wonderful people. Um, I think I know maybe one person in my immediate life who has POTS. Most of the people I know with POTS, I, I don't know them from Adam or Eve. I've never met him personally. I've just talked to him. I've told him the doctors I've seen, the tests that I've had, shown them actual results, because it is a brotherhood and a sisterhood of a condition. But I've seen some really horrible stories of cases of parents that have had children with this that the kids have wanted to take their own life because they've been frustrated. Or a patient that was told they needed to go to a psychiatric facility to be deconditioned. That is why I want to literally half the time scream, cry, or hide under a rock anytime I see an article that links COVID to uh, POTS. because I don't have the same optimistic hope that I would have had it not been for the fact of the sheer stupidity of so many people from multiple facets in the last three years. Because, again, I wouldn't wish what I deal with on anybody. Everybody has their own crosses to bear and their own, own health issues. But at the end of the day, I just happen to have what long haulers are developing thanks to COVID. So that's where I get pissed and I get angry. Um, with the other aspect, the Holocaust COVID compares, (laughs) this is something else that I've taken a great deal of, um, pain in hearing by and large, because I am Ashkenazi Jewish. My dad's father was born in Eastern Europe. Our family name when they came over here was Rosenthal. That means Rose Valley. Like a lot of immigrants, they changed their name. I had heard that it was supposed to be Lechevitsky, but I couldn't find anything about Lechevitsky anywhere. So it's looking like it was likely Levitsky, as in the biblical Levites. I'm not Orthodox Jew but I am Ashkenazi, a quarter Ashkenazi. In my bones, in my tissue, that's who I am. So just like my condition attaching itself to the pandemic, seeing the Holocaust COVID compares, 
that's also something that I take a great deal of um, upset towards, you know, like a lot of people that have looked at that because they are flagrantly distorting the history. And, you know, when the, when the compares kept happening in continuum, I mean, to be perfectly frank, I know people that have peddled in the compares. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, and they, and so many people still do this, despite the fact of how many Jewish groups, survivors, descendants have come out and begged and pleaded for them to stop. You know, I mean, a favorite meme or a common meme that I would always see is the infamous front entrance to Auschwitz. And it's like, what always comes to mind with me when I see that is, um, you know, it's like thinking about what those poor people went through after they got off of the cars. You know, most of us have heard the stories. Families brought in. Quite often, husbands separated from their families, husbands and sons separated from the mothers and the daughters, stripped of their belongings, and that includes their clothing, their rings taken from their fingers. You know, there's pictures of the shoes in the memorial. There's pictures of the rings. And these people were forced to do indentured servitude and quite often beaten gassed, starved, raped, and murdered. So that's where I take the bone of contention, you know. Nobody's been happy with the last three years. But to literally elevate yourself to being like, oh, I'm the 21st century Jew, that's what the Holocaust comparisons do by and large. I can tell you that's what a lot of Jewish people look at it as, you know. Jews were put into crematories. They were burned. It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just unfathomable, you know? And they, were this, they endured this by and large. I mean, anti-Semitism and bigotry is not new. Um, but they were done, this was done to them by and large because of a faction of the populace, in particular, Hitler's Germany, the SS, the Gestapo, the Nazis, who felt that Jews were inferior and wanted to f filter it to where Hitler got his master race. We all know the story. He wanted blonde-haired, blue-eyed people, two things he wasn't. Go figure. You know, so it's just, it's so maddening to me because even going back to my Ukrainian-born grandfather, the Holocaust of Bullets, which is largely believed to be the opening salvo of the Holocaust. That took place in the Ukraine. My, my great-grandmother was born in Belarus. 80 to 90% of the Jews were slaughtered. And um, I can say with a straight face that we all say we're grateful to our ancestors for coming to this country. I'm definitely grateful to mine because if mine would have stayed in the, in the Ukraine, um, my grandfather's two older brothers were born in the late 1800s, and I believe his sister was born around the turn of the century. He was born in 1903. Um, I do have to believe it's entirely likely that had my family stayed there, they would have likely died 
at the hands of uh, Hitler's Germany's perverse way of uh, creating a master race. So, yeah, while I'm not Orthodox Jew, oh, it boils every ounce of the quarter Ashkenazi Jew blood in my bones to see people <laughs> try to even infer that anything remotely in the last three years to five years, it's like, uh-uh. It's like you're taking a gamble because, yeah, there's a vast majority, I've seen it, of the Jewish population that look at Holocaust COVID and compares and look at anybody making them and come to the, come to the mentality that not only are they historical distortion, they are grotesque because they are. They absolutely are. Nobody's burning family members right now. That's the part that's so, so infuriating. It's like, really? I don't know. I still remember meeting a Holocaust survivor who talked about what the soldiers used to do to quiet babies. And I just, from a humanitarian standpoint, but also having Jewish ancestors, I can't imagine having the nerve to try to compare anything I've endured in my life, whether it be the last thir uh, three years or the last close to 40, to the complete slaughter of six million people because factions of the outside world thought that they were an inferior race. That's the part that's frustrating, so you bet. Yeah, I take issue with that. So between, between the long COVID and um, the long COVID and POTS cases and the Holocaust COVID compares, being somebody with the condition um, the long haulers you're developing now and being someone of uh, Ashkenazi Jewish descent who is the uh, descendant of immigrants who fled Eastern Europe largely for a number of reasons, including very likely fear of persecution because they were Jew. I've seen my family uh, um, paperwork documents, three different language languages pop up in terms of that which was spoken. Ukraine was part of the USSR when they would have come over. So of course on one you'd see Russian, then you would see Hebrew, and then you would see Yiddish. Yiddish is a common language spoken by Jews. So yes, I take it deeply personal. And that's why I came to the conclusion a while ago that even if it put me diametrically opposite of people in my immediate life, to be so passionately supportive of people developing forms of what I have because of this pandemic, even though I don't have it because of the pandemic, people are still developing it. I still know what it's like to have my condition or standing with my arm around, figuratively, the Holocaust and Jewish groups that are so unbelievably angry about the Holocaust COVID compares. And maybe a little bit more tactfully, but you can tell these groups are looking at people making the comparison, basically wanting to call them scumbags. Or just basically that they're just, they're just disgusted. They're hurt. They're like, please don't trivialize what we went through and what our ancestors went through. You know, that's why I can align myself with them. Because again, I can't even fathom at this point in my existence and in this century, being able 
or even attempting to act like anything that I would have endured in this lifetime would come anywhere close to being someone that was hauled in to a concentration camp because they were seen as an inferior race, stripped of their clothing, stripped of their shoes, stripped of their rings, separated from their family, their children, their husbands, forced in indentured servitude, starved, exposed to inhumane conditions, and then thrown in a crematory or taken out and shot and thrown in a mass grave. That was a popular tactic too. So it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, wow. Um, so yeah, it's been hard on the heart for me, you know, with sitting kind of on the sidelines on that and holding firm with those two factors, especially with still determining whether or not I have POTS because somehow I could have inherited a carrier trait for familial dysautonomia, which is, like I said, known to have caused POTS or known to be able to. And that would have been something I would have inherited from my Jewish ancestry. It's like watching the general you know, populace, by and large, take an attitude of, you know, flippant about, you know, human health. Not everybody, but good chunk did. And, you know, seeing my condition in the news attach itself to that. And then seeing my ethnic ancestry. You know, I don't know for sure if I lost a family member um, in the Holocaust or not. I might have. There's a lot of my family I can't find. Um, but it doesn't matter. I'm still a Jew. And I will absolutely unequivocally stand with any of the Jewish groups that are angry about those compares than I will over anybody making them. Because anybody that's angry about the compares, they're right. They're historical distortion of a genocide of an ethnic race, of an ethnic, ethnic group that was seen to be inferior. And they're, they're just, they're grotesque. They really and truly are. But, you know, to each their own, it's all about, you know, it really does come down to what all, all of us can do at the end of the day and be comfortable with putting our head on our pillow. And the best thing I've found for me is be comfortable with the fact that, you know, I've elected to stand with the people that have my condition whether it's pre-pandemic or post. I haven't given special treatment to anybody um, pre-pandemic compared to post, the way I've tried to look at it. It's like, you guys are all zebras. Welcome on in. You know, I got you. And it's the same thing with my anger about the Holocaust COVID compares. You know, not only being someone that was a student of history, but being somebody that has Jewish ancestors, and in particular from, uh, from Eastern Europe. So, um, with that being said, um, just wanted to get this episode out of the way. Part of me was kind of dreading it, but, um, I just felt it was important because like I've said many times, I've been greatly blessed by the proactive doctors that I've had that I still have and the access to quality medical care that I've had and I still have and incredibly blessed for the um, research skills that I've built, that I've fostered, that I've been able to use for my benefit, but hopefully for the benefit of others. So this really was about my way to try to pay it forward 
um, especially with the recent articles that I've seen that long COVID patients are having a hard time getting treatment. <laughs> oh. So all I can say is that it's a brotherhood and it's a sisterhood, the chronic illness community, but in particular POTS. So um, it's my sincere hope that anybody that's dealing with a chronic illness, and in particular the one that I have, that they know they're not alone. And um, that human health may have become bad vaudeville, especially in the last three years, but there are people across the board from the medical community to the general public, to the broader chronic health community, to the dysautonomia community, to the POTS community that are ready to put their arm around anybody that's possibly facing the diagnosis or a friend or a family member or a loved one of someone that is and to say, hey, we got you. Because, yeah, I, I still distinctly remember talking to some people that have what I have. And then we were talking about the uh, correlation between um, POTS and COVID. And they shared the same mentality that, yeah, the same fear I've had. It's like, we've seen how political COVID's become. Please don't let POTS become political too. It's a real fear. It's a real fear. But um, anyway, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Um, Here in the next few episodes, likely the next one that I do or the following, um, I am going to be entertaining the idea of doing a uh, two-part look at mental health. I had a couple of uh, good pals suggest it to me and I think it's awesome. So what I would likely be doing, I haven't quite figured out the details yet, but what I would likely do is split it into two episodes, have one be mental health on its own because mental health is something incredibly relevant and serious and important that I think it would be good to do one that just really looked at that as a broad consideration and then do another episode that um, looked at mental health as it comes to the chronic health community in keeping with the spirit of this podcast, um, because I think that would also be a good one too. And um, another topic idea that's been suggested to me um, by my good friend who uh, took me to my surgery last month, um, looking at doing a uh, podcast episode on the benefits of companion pets when you have a chronic illness. Because as I've said, you know, a lot of us um, have come to realize, but some people still discount what animals really and truly do understand because they understand a lot. So I have a few ideas that I'm working on for episodes coming down the pipeline. But yeah, absolutely. I'm. This is an open topic. Uh, podcast series so I'm definitely open to topics suggestions questions um, you name it so again thank you for listening and hope everybody has a good rest of their weekend